Your company's employer brand touches all sides of the business, from talent acquisition to marketing to HR to communications. Take charge of your employer branding strategy now. Attending eBrandCon this spring will give you tips and tools to boost your branding. Through pre-conference workshops, keynotes, and panel discussions, you will learn how to leverage the knowledge and talent of the industry's leading EB experts. eBrandCon 2018. Be there. May 22nd through 24th in San Diego, California. Learn more at employerbrandingstrategies.com. Register with link 15 today. Hey, Sans Vaisan, it's Jorgen Sundberg here with the Employer Branding Podcast by Link Humans, London's Employer Branding Agency. The power of purpose can make all the difference in attracting and retaining top talent. Companies like Apple, Google, and Airbnb know this very well. In today's episode, we'll find out how to uncover and articulate a purpose that could improve your employer brand. Let's start the show. Marcus Kramer, grüezi. Grüezi, nice to be on the show with you. Pleasure to have you on here. So please tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Right, so the name you already got, um, uh, my excellent introduction you probably already got. I'm Swiss, although I travel a lot. I'm mostly in between Zurich, Geneva and London, mostly continental Europe bit of US and a bit of Asia, and I help primarily boards, executives um, on pretty much anything that relates to strategic positioning, brand management, growth, uh, so to speak. And sometimes this um, uh, interferes in a positive way, I shall hope, with culture as well. I work with um, big brands, Harley-Davidson, Ferrari, luxury goods brands, financial services, really across technology brands, but also NGOs and startups. So it's quite a broad spectrum. That's, um, uh, that's how I make my uh, living and you know, feed my family and in my fun time and spare time and also uh, for a bit of an academic challenge, I'm an associate uh, professor in strategic brand management at Cass Business School in London and I teach MBAs and especially executive MBAs, again, mostly around um, uh, the strategic importance of brand management. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. Great. And also you've, uh, you've written a book. What's the name of the book? I have, I have indeed. Um, uh, it's called The Guiding Purpose Strategy and it was published at the end of uh, last year, end of 2017. Right, so the word purpose there, uh, I want to zoom in on that. Why is purpose important in branding and uh, why now? Well, all right, let me uh, make sure that um, I don't go on for the next two hours and that someone <laughs> still buys the book at the end of it, hopefully. No, look, in a nutshell, I think um, for me, purpose is, um, and I have a very commercial view on this, I admit, but for me, purpose is the next competitive frontier for companies to engage in. So if we look back over history, we had a lot about um, leadership, you know, and you can think of Anything you associate with leadership 100 years ago, whether you think of an army and leadership or whether you think, think of you know, Henry Ford's leadership in the, in the Industrial Revolution. But it somehow tipped over time in the 50s probably and it switched to much more focus on strategy. And for the past, let's say, you know, broadly speaking, 50 years, 
we've been going um, with um, strategy, strategic direction, where are we heading, and so forth. So if we take the two and you combine it with the increasing complexity that we face, mainly driven through technology and acceleration, speed, right? Things don't go at the same steady pace. They really accelerate. Then the result is an incredibly complex world. And I think nor leadership nor strategy is enough. And purpose is what builds or gives and provides people orientation, whether it's for themselves, whether it's in organizations, and therefore understanding what purpose really is how it really works, how we articulate it, and especially how it can benefit not just organizations but individuals, I think is hugely important. So it's you know it's the, the kind of the famous quote probably that I would remember is um, the one around you know if you thought that life is about breathing, you really you really miss a point, right? It's the same mm -hmm. is true for organizations. If you really think business is about money, you probably miss a point. Of course we need it. Of course it's the lifeblood, but we get that it's the four wheels the four wheels on a car. It just it needs to be there to get you from A to B. And so strategy and leadership are in that category for me, and purpose is really what makes the difference. And I think we're at the very beginning. So this is this is early stage. I think the last five years roughly we've observed this. And uh, you can see big companies uh, jumping on it, big consultancies jumping on it. And I think we're only about to embark on that um, purpose transformation in, 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 in future or forward-geared organizations. So I would think the next... 10, 15, 20 years are absolutely uh, no longer the era of just strategy, leadership, or positioning, but actually of having crystal clarity of purpose. And there's much more to it. And we may perhaps, so if we have time, we get into of how that, for example, links to the transformation of value chains, uh, where the middle is taken out. That you know, creates all sorts of pressures, all sorts of opportunities. And at the core is this idea of absolute integrity gravitating about the, uh, around the core center of purpose. Long answer. Just stop me if it goes on for too long. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> could you let us know what um, some of the key benefits are around knowing your purpose? A key benefits, yeah. Well, firstly, I mean, I've, I've mentioned I'm quite you know, commercially minded in all mm. I do. But I also appreciate that purpose is actually a very soft topic. Yeah. So it really helps to understand that uh, clarity of purpose, especially when you engage with executives and, and their teams, really links to profits. There's enough evidence um, now that having clarity of purpose really you know, yields tangible benefits. You can express it in money. And if you break it down, why? You probably can express it also in the tangibility of uh, longevity, uh, retention, uh, loyalty, whether that's at the customer level or whether this is at an employee level. So there are multiple, multiple tangible monetary ban benefits. I think that's one. The other one is, of course, uh, where is your competitive edge? Um, we do go faster, I've mentioned. And if you do, if you do look at how companies differentiate, it's very difficult to differentiate in a world where you have almost zero attention span of consumers. And so having clarity around an easily understandable, motivating force like a core purpose is no longer just an internal asset for your employers. And I appreciate you're very much into employee branding, but it's also something that transpires through the culture and integrates with consumers. So I see as a second point, I see this as a true competitive edge and we'll probably come on to you know, what companies do well and why. And I would argue it is absolutely 
you can absolutely feel it in their competitive differentiation of having clarity of purpose. A third point is probably this idea of um, true loyalty. Um, people don't just work for money, um, especially in the developed world. There's more to it. And people also switch less likely. So they stay loyal, employees stay lo loyal. I think there's a lot in that, to be, um, in that to be had. And that links to talent and to culture. So talent is absolutely attracted. Generation Y, Generation Z is yet to be seen. They're only about to enter the workplace, but Generation Y, and I would argue even, even older people, right, that really have a lot to give still, but actually no longer perhaps uh, need the, the necessity of a regular income. They're perhaps already in a, their third stage of life, but they, they identify with values and therefore they identify with a bigger purpose of why uh, they're doing what they do and for whom they um, invest their time. That's true at the, under, the lower end of the scale as well. So you know, how do you attract the best talent? That's perhaps a, another point. How do you get the best people? I absolutely yeah. do think that you can grow a rich culture by having clarity of purpose. Um, so, and then that links to a culture of excellence. I call it a culture of excellence where people give their best, where they're really passionate, where they care for what you do. And that's also linked to having clarity of purpose and a strong reason why you're actually here in the first place as an organization. Great. Okay. So if we look at a step-by-step -step guide to, to uh, finding out this purpose and making it crystal clear, can, mm -hmm. can you talk us through the, the GPS framework? Yes. Um, on a very simplistic level, purpose is, whilst it's simplistic and powerful, it's very hard to articulate. And if you ask mm. people, what's your purpose, right? They, most people will struggle uh, because they don't have it clear in their mind. If you ask organizations, it gets even fuzzier. You know, why are you here? Uh, well, you know, of course, to generate revenue and you know, make our quarterly targets and so forth. No, that's not really why you're here. That's, you know, you breathe every day like we do as well to stay alive. That's just normal. Um, but what, what, you know, why are you here and what is your purpose? People really struggle. Organizations really struggle. So the framework that I've developed doesn't start there. It's at the core, but we start really at the outside. If you think about a circular shape and the outer, uh, the outer circle, you have tangible stuff to get um, your head around what purpose really is and how you create your own purpose articulated and it starts with a vision you know something really where you say well this is where i would like to be it's the ideal place it's reaching for the stars it's largely intangible but it's it's a vision statement i don't know you know nasa's nasa's um vision um, fly, fly to the moon or you know put a man on the moon something where you really it's, it's quite far away but you can articulate that's where i would like to go as an organization. Then you follow that by more tangible stuff like goals. You know, goals, what do you want to achieve this year? And that can be how much do you want to generate? What's the revenue? Um, milestones, um, something you can really tangibly measure. So vision and goals. And of course, in, a, in order to achieve an ambition, an ambitious vision, and, and perhaps hopefully also ambitious goals, you always face challenges. So list them, list them out. What are the challenges that you have to overcome in order to achieve your goals and in order to fulfill this vision? Now, once we have this vision, goals, and challenges, we look at perceptions. So perceptions can be either my own perceptions of the environment I'm in. Um, it can be perceptions that are perhaps you know, external. So customer perceptions, employee perceptions, but people look at the world and your vision and your goals and your challenges with different eyes. 
So it's important to understand these perceptions in a very nuanced way. Out of these perceptions, we derive insights. Uh, clearly understanding, okay, so you know, if I want to uh, give you an example, vision, I want to put a man on the moon. The goal is to build a spaceship or a rocket within five years that can transport three people to the moon. The challenge is, of course, that you know, this is a lot of money. It's a budget, for example, takes a lot of time, need a lot of talent, and you go on. The perception is perhaps in the broad public that forget it. I mean, no one's ever been to the moon. So broad public perception might be it's impossible. Why should we spend that much tax money of you know, taking someone to the moon? So the insights, um, just you know, simplify it, might be that you actually not just, you don't just need to build a spaceship and a rocket and get a lot of money. You also need to actively manage um, the reason why you put someone on the moon in the first place in order to overcome the public perception of a very critical view as to why you should go there. And so we take vision and goals, the challenges, the perceptions, the distilled insights of what we read out of this, and then formulate a strategy that takes us there. It's almost a, we're still on this very outer circle. So we go from vision to goals, to challenges, to perceptions, to insights, to articulation of strategy. Now, the beauty of this is that you can absolutely engage anyone with this. Any executive will understand this language. The minute you throw them vision, goals, you know, <laughs> perception, strategy, you can do, you can go on for a day. So mm. it's easy to engage. And once we have clarity on this, this outer circle, we go a level deeper and we say, well, okay, so if we want to achieve um, what we've outlined here, overcome challenges and apply this or implement this strategy, then we need a set of values that allows us to do so. What are those values? So we begin to articulate those values to identify what core values will help us perhaps attract best talent, what core values are needed to differentiate in the marketplace, what core values are needed to drive certain behavior. And so generally, when we go through this exercise, we don't just take the values as they are today. I call it featuring or futuring values. So we project the values into the future. So say, for example, if you have um, a certain, I don't know, four or five key values that you believe these are right, then make sure you ask yourself the question, okay, if I achieve my vision in five years from now, are these values still going to hold the way I perceive the world, the challenges I need to overcome, and so forth. So we feature the values. Once we are clear on the values, we articulate them in words and images very often as well for ourselves. And generally, the result is no more than three values, maybe four. And two or three might absolutely describe internal behavior within an organization. It's critical to get that right. But then one describes the way you differentiate to the outside world, what really makes you special. So it's this set of values that gravitate in a, in a sort of an inner circle around the core. And that's where I you know, call purpose. And it's really impressive. I think a purpose should be sharp, it should be short, it should be five words or less, and it needs to be contextualized. So very often once you've done this exercise and you've gone through this, um, vision, goals, challenges, perceptions, insights, strategy, and then in dive into the values, and you ask people, a room full of people, I do this with simple flip charts and post-its, and ask them, okay, I'll give you some guidance, how that works with purpose, I'll give you a framework, how you articulate the purpose, please, you know, spend... 10, 15 minutes of putting down on a post-it, five words or less, why you're here, what's your purpose? And once you do this, it's amazing um, how quickly people can grasp 
the concept of purpose and articulate the purpose within their own context. Because they've just spent a couple of hours, you know, laying it all out. It's almost like an onion. You start with the outer layer, and as you peel, you get to the core. And the, the, the further in you get the sweet, it starts to taste. So that, the purpose at the core of it is where we really want to get. But you can't just say, hey, you know, to an executive team, why don't, we, why don't you list your purpose and you know, put this stuff on a flip chart? You will get all sorts of stuff. Mission statements, paragraphs, uh, strap lines, and, uh, and, and the whole uh, blend of it. So to recap, there's an outer circle. It's tangible. We can very much engage in it. Anyone can at an individual level too. I do work mostly with organizations. We go onto an inner layer of values. becomes a bit less tangible. And then only at the end go we, do we really go deep at the, at the, and ask ourselves uh, this, this um, very fundamental question of why are we actually here beyond just breathing every day to, uh, to keep alive. Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking if you're an employer brand manager listening to this now, you're thinking, uh, okay, um, how much can I influence of the purpose of my organization? So mm -hmm. my question is really uh, who owns the purpose, who decides what the purpose and the why is for the organization? Is it the, the owners, the founders, the, the board? The, I mean, to answer this, I think you have to first understand how your organization works. Yep. If you are in a very traditional, very hierarchical organization, the, the initiative must come from the top. It must be carried at the top. And if you are um, able to influence your executive leadership team or the CEO to engage on a purpose transformation journey, then great, go for it. If that's not the case, don't touch it. So I think it's, you know you have to really... Really, because ultimately, you know, your, your, your question and the answer is purpose is carried by everybody. It's, you know, the integral part of the connecting tissue or the glue or, or culture of an organization. So it's absolutely carried by everybody. But it needs to start at the top, the initiative to embed it within an organization in a, let's say, more traditional uh, organizational model. Now, if you work in, um, you know, I work with some startups in the blockchain space, for example, it's you know, decentralized by its very nature, for instance, and the hierarchy has nothing lost in there. And you see other companies, platform companies, you know, Facebook, Googles of this world, large organizations that are a lot less hierarchical. So does it need to be owned by the CEO or initiated by the CEO? No, not necessarily. It can start to spring off um, anywhere, really. And you know, we look at Airbnb as a good example that retrofitted a purpose to their model. Mm. And it doesn't have to start at the, at the top of the CEO saying, now we're going to go on a, you know, I want to articulate our purpose and everybody's got to be able to repeat the same five words. That's not really, that's not really ideal or, or how it works. That's not gonna, how you're going to get a purpose carried into the organization longer term. Well, I can see a, a scenario where a company is losing out on uh, candidates and perhaps losing employees to competitors who have perhaps articulated a, a stronger purpose. So that's uh, perhaps the employer brand managers can be sort of change agents and mm -hmm. Absolutely. speak to, mm -hmm. to the higher echelon and say, we need to look into our purpose because we are losing talent here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends on employer branding. You are the specialist much more yeah. than I am, but I see, <laughs> I work with, you know, mostly when I get engaged, it's, it's at the chairman or um, a, a chief executive level. And something has happened that they ask themselves, should we articulate the, yeah. you know, the purpose? And if you then drill inside, it's generally 
uh, marketing. So they have a commercial reason as to why they would want to do it. And HR. And HR, it's exactly where you, what you just mentioned. So HR mm. is then, hey, you know, talent is expensive. Uh, retention is absolutely critical. So it's this perspective. And I love the fact that when marketeers talk with HR people, so you connect the outside world really of the marketplace with the inside world. That's really when it becomes powerful. So if as an employer brand manager, you're not able to directly walk up to the CEO and you know, nudge them along and say, look, oh, look at all this evidence. You know, we really should embark on this. Well, talk to HR and talk to the marketeers. Try to connect these two. I think that's a very strong case of um, uh, building a very integrated view as to how purpose becomes transformational in an organization. Great. Okay. So you said you should be able to articulate the purpose in five words or less. Could you give us some examples of uh, good purpose statements? Yes. Um, let me lay out briefly what I mean by these five words and give you some examples. So firstly, short, five words or less. I've mentioned that. Uh, secondly, it should be really true from within. So it should strongly resonate with, um, uh, with, with what, what you do in business as well. It should be addressing something that is universally uh, true and ambitious. Um, something that people can cling on to and say, well, we're really here for you know, much more than the money. It needs to be contextualized. I think I mentioned this briefly as well. And that links to a purpose isn't a strap line. I'll come to the difference um, in just a second. But so if it's contextualized, it means that people have to have a deeper understanding of the company, the environment, the set of values, the brand, and so forth for a purpose statement to make perfect sense. That's also why a purpose statement doesn't, and I'll give you the examples in just a bit, doesn't really make it as a differentiating strap line towards the outside world. So let me give you some examples. For example, uh, Google. Google is, um, I think, a good, a good um, case to take. I don't know if you, you know it, but if you look at their website, Google's purpose is organizing the world's information. Yeah. That's why they're here, right? So that's very bold. It's very ambitious. And I personally was in a talk um, with, with talent at the time, it was about five years ago, and the choice was to either go to a bank, um, I won't name them, a Swiss bank, or it was to go to Google. And everything being equal, i.e. the pay, uh, the, the you know, social stuff, the holidays and so forth, the answer of that young man was, well, why should I go to the bank and help make rich people richer if I can help the world, you know, if I can help organize the world's information? You could just see, and it's very subtle, we believe, but it's actually quite deep. So people do connect with this. But it's not, you know, Google doesn't go out, hey, we're Google, you know, we are the ones organizing the world's information. Another one is perhaps um, Airbnb, I've briefly mentioned, they retrofitted a purpose, uh, largely because they could see that the you know, tremendous growth and value chains that are extremely fragmented, not just, you know, internally a growing number of employees and so forth, but also people who put their apartments and houses up or people like myself and perhaps you as well, who use it, who travel to Kyoto or wherever and then spend the time. We're all part of this ecosystem and they've recognized we need to refit um, something that glues the whole thing together. They came up with one word, it's to belong, or literally just belong. So you belong if you're an employee, but you also belong into that culture in Kyoto if you travel there for a little bit, even though you're not Japanese, but you just belong for a little while. Um, and on the other hand, if you put your place up, you also belong to Airbnb somehow. 
but it needs to be contextualized. If you just throw the word out, you know, belong, it doesn't mean it has no meaning. So it, it really is important for people to put this into context, but it's one word. And the one I think strongest still that resonates with me as a very powerful purpose statement is Apple. And, you know, if you look at what Steve Jobs built, he, you could argue he wasn't really the greatest innovator. MP3 player existed before the iPod and so forth. But what he really did extremely well is take a product, um, you know, piece of technology, make it beautiful, make it safe, make it easy to use, no viruses and stuff like this. And so, and to perfection, really to perfection. So his purpose really, or purpose statement was just two words humanized technology mm. and if you think about it it's very powerful because it's true right all they do is make technology simple easy to use for as humble human, human beings they might not be the fastest an iphone might not have the best battery life and so forth but it's really beautiful it's very easy to use and you can see how much of a premium they are able to charge from that what sort of loyalty they are to build from this, what sort of you know, loyalty internally, but equally with customers, they're able to pull from that. But yeah, note, I mean, humanized technology is a powerful purpose statement. It works extremely well if it's contextualized. If you wouldn't know this brand, Apple, and I tell you their purpose is humanized technology, you'd probably go, what? I mean, I can't really, you know, Hence the link, it doesn't serve as a strapline. And Apple, again, is a good example to demonstrate how different this is. You know, Apple's strapline is think different. And think different is very much used in a, from a marketeer's point of view to differentiate against uh, competition, i.e. the personal computer. So think different is a strapline. It's activated with Apple's communication strategy. But humanized technology is an internal driver for culture. And it transpires. It transpires. If you can live with this, with this humanized technology, it's a great place to be. If you can't, if this isn't really your calling, if you're really uh, into something different, and it's true for many companies that have strong purpose-driven uh, organizations, then it's quite polarizing. It's probably not for you. And luxury brands take very, uh, very similarly. They have extremely polarizing cultures, have strong um, anchored purpose statements. And if, you, if that's you, great. And you'll have a great time for a very long time as an employee or as a, as a potentially as a customer, you identify. If it's not, it, it can eject you quite quickly. And uh, okay, so um, those are great examples. So um, let, me, let me test the, the Link Humans uh, purpose on you. All right. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Make the world of work a better place. Make the world of work a better place. Mm. A little bit long. Um, it doesn't, you know, I'm not, I, mean, I give five words because I, it forces your mind and it forces um, uh, people to think in a in very, very concise. I like it. Uh, I give you one reason why I also like it. And I didn't tell you this uh, before in the sort of parameters that frame or shape a good purpose made statement. A good purpose statement always starts with an action word, a verb generally, you know, this is active, humanize technology, organize the world's information to belong somewhere, make, right? It's an active work, make the world of work a better place. Um, I think it's very good, honestly, you know, I've, without assessing it more broadly and without going much deeper, but, you know, it gives me a bigger reason to believe it has ambitions or an ambitious um, goal, a vision that is universal. 
and if I can contribute to making the world a better place um, or the world of work a better place, then that's a great place to be. And by the way, there are other organizations that claim probably a similar purpose. Um, I yeah. can't recall whether it's Deloitte or I think it's EY. Um, well, it's one of the big, you know, the big consultancies. That's, that's probably where I subconsciously found it. Yeah, but you know, you know what? It doesn't really. We are not talking about competitive differentiation because you know you're not EY, you're not McKinsey either. That's right. So to to build your ecosystem and your world to drive energy and to create great create forward motion for you, it works perfectly well. I wouldn't say copy it one to one, but you don't have to worry too much about it so long as it's contextually relevant and really true for you. Whereas with a strap line and a way you differentiate in the marketplace and so forth, it's different. You do have to, you know, sound check that a hundred times and you have to, you know, IP trademark check it and so forth. It's a lot less true with uh, purpose, purpose statements. And so Marcus, what's your purpose then? My purpose, it's, you know, you know, if I answer this, I mean, it would be strange if I couldn't answer that question. You know, my, my, really, my purpose is relatively short and I help people grow or I help you grow, I generally say, instead of people. So I help you grow. And the reason behind that is that I just love to see brands, organizations thrive. And anything I can contribute to that, um, I, I gladly do. I also, I also do it, or maybe three or four individuals a year, generally people quite advanced in their career, where I really truly can say I help people grow because it really is an individual. But 90% of my work is for, focused on helping you grow as an organization. It's a little bit around the individuals, and then I'm actively engaged in a charity that is a very entrepreneurial charity that really is focused on helping entrepreneurs grow in developing countries. And so I try to engage, you know, 90%, I have to uh, engage where I can make a, a hopefully good living out of what I have to contribute. And then there is a little bit of, okay, I mean, this stuff works not just for organization. It really is powerful. It can enable and empower individuals and it can help uh, people that don't have much uh, to come out perhaps of poverty or, or misery if they do it right. And that's, of course, I don't charge for that, but it's nice to see. And it's also a demonstration for myself to see, well, you know, it works at home with the kids. It's I can identify it, I have three kids. And so if I my purpose is to help you grow, I think about this actively and I help with whatever you know shape, means, or way I can to help my kids grow, to help the people here in my team at work grow, to help companies I engage with grow, and then through the more charitable side of things, hopefully over time I can put more effort into this to contribute and transfer some of this know-how into environments where you know, clearly there's no monetary value directly for myself and attached into it. But it's, I help people grow, I help you grow. So my feedback on that one would be, uh, that's a nice short purpose with a long description. Thank it. you. <laughs> it needs to be contextualized. Yeah. Okay. So give me the number one pitfall to avoid around uh, purpose uh, discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, two, the number one is don't make it a strap line. It's the biggest pitfall, especially for executives. It's very hard for them to differentiate a strap line um, from a deep purpose. Uh, don't go there. I don't, I don't wouldn't, you know, they need to understand what the difference really is. And perhaps the second one, um, don't make it too tangible. It doesn't, it, we're not talking about the what you do and how you do it. We're talking about why you do what you do. And so don't make it too easily graspable. Otherwise it loses, um, uh, it loses intrinsic value. 
Okay, great. And uh, is there any way to measure ROI on uh, on purpose and and articulating a purpose? Yes, I have five metrics that I would wow. um, encourage everybody to use. Four of them are straightforward. Um, most of you, of you or listeners might recognize them. One is NPS, Net Promoter Score, mm-hmm. and it measure, you know, really measures external satisfaction, but also loyalty towards a brand. So NPS is great. It's the marketeer's perspective. The second one is also a marketeer's perspective it's the ability to acquire new clients so the customer acquisition ratio very critical as an indicator for continued growth then i think market share literally um, as a benchmark against how do i do in the face of competition and then ebit really you know can i make a profit so those are four that are very specific they're economic measures or management measures that everybody probably will be familiar with and quite frankly it's great to have these and be familiar with those because that's what the executive um, suit speaks that's the language they talk the the area where i measure purpose or i'd love to inject is i call it prm purpose review metric and it's measuring shared purpose within an organization so if you have shared and aligned purpose, i.e., you know, if I ask these five words, can you tell me internally, and people tell me the same thing in spirit, then I would claim you have shared purpose in your organization. It's a great place to be. If you're not there, then you know, clearly this shows disconnects, misalignment, fragmentation, and so forth. An aligned purpose is if you ask the same question outside of the organization. That includes partners, suppliers, but also customers. Aligned purpose really comes very close to NPS, i.e. measuring external satisfaction, you know, how happy or how likely would you be to recommend. And so the PRM really picks up on the internal um, focus, as in the shared purpose within an organization. And it's relatively straightforward. It, it works exactly like uh, NPS does as well. So it's a 10-point scale. And the question you ask simply is how inclined are you to recommend your employer to those closest to you, are your best friends, relatives, family? And with this, we get a, a very strong view as to if you do this, you're really convinced, you're happy, it's a good place to be, you feel connected. So you're inclined, a nine and 10, a shared purpose. If you're between sort of six, seven, eight, it's probably neutral and anything below is really low cohesion, it's ineffective and you have to re-question whether this is right. So if you take this purpose review metric and overlay it with NPS, the external view, these combined, those are two simple questions really on a 10 point scale. It really goes a long way to measure how effective purpose is. Right, so that that sounds very similar to ENPS, so Employee Net Promoter Score, Mm -hmm. which is the internal version of NPS. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with it, but uh, you know, I think it's someone just to put an E in front of NPS and (laughs) internally. But yeah, I think it's very much like it. I I mean, I think it's keep it simple. You know, it needs to be measurable, and if you keep it simple, it's a great place to be. Right. Okay. So you mentioned some uh, some uh, companies with good purpose statements there. If you were to pick one that uh, we should uh, take some inspiration from, what, what would be your favorite you want to highlight? It's clearly Apple. You know, humanized technology, I think, is the, the easiest um, example to get um, your head around it. Um, there are others, you know, Ritz-Carlton, Harley-Davidson, Sappos. I mean, there are other companies that I think are doing really good work in that space, that develop a consciousness around purpose. 
But if you ask me, you know, what is the one example where you can really see how purpose transformed an entire organization and how it's at the core radiating, okay, in this instance from you know, an individual that really radiated this purpose inside out, but see how far that was or how far that goes, it's Apple with humanized technology. Great. Okay. So final question, where can our listeners connect with you, Marcus, and uh, where can we get a copy of your book? But the copy of your book, you can get it on um, on my website, so guidingpurposestrategy.com. You also can download all the frameworks um, there and use them for yourself. There's a tutorial on there, uh, absolutely free. Uh, the book does cost money. If you want to get it, you can also order it from the website. And if you want to, you can order it, of course, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and all the, you know, the great, um, great outlets that distribute books um, in whatever format you choose, from Kindle to uh, paperback to hardback. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Excellent. Pleasure. All right. I hope that was useful. Everything Marcus and I discussed will, of course, be in the show notes article, which will appear at employerbrandingpodcast.com. Okay, right. So as Kara mentioned at the start of today's show, you may have heard the intro. The Employer Branding Strategies Conference takes place at the end of May, the 22nd through the 24th in San Diego. If you're going, please let me know. I'd love to say hello over a coffee just to catch up. And if you haven't got your ticket yet, head on over to employerbrandingstrategies.com to check it out. And if you tap in the promo code LINK15, you will get a 15% discount off your tickets. I will put a link to the event in the show notes and really hope to see you there. And also to make sure you stay up to date on all things employer brand, events, podcasts, articles, etc. Go to linkhumans.com and sign up to our newsletter. Yep, just scroll down and you'll see that sign up form there. I hope you like the color purple, by the way, uh, not the movie, the color. I mean, nothing against the movie, but I'm actually talking about the color of the website. Now, if you find this podcast useful, please do me a favor and write a review in Apple Podcasts. Just an honest review will do. It really helps us to spread the message and reach out to more people. So thank you very much in advance for doing that. That's it for this week. Good of you to tune in. Catch you next time. Hey, do! I really loved um, the example from Lewis Carroll and Alice in Wonderland. I mean, it's a fairy tale, but I think it's very powerful. There's one scene in that uh, Alice in Wonderland where, you know, Alice uh, walks, she walks, she walks, and she, she comes into an intersection and she sees this, this cat on a tree. And she looks up to this cat and says, hey, your cat, would you tell me, please, which way should I go from here? And the cat looks at her and says, well, that depends. It really depends a good deal on where you want to go, says the cat. And Alice says, well, you know, I really don't care much. And the cat looks at her and says, well, then it doesn't really matter which way you go, does it? And I think it's, um, uh, this is a, a very nice way to illustrate that people crave orientation. I think your purpose can provide orientation to people, whether it's individuals, if they have clarity of purpose, 
they know where you want to go. It's no question whether you go left or right because you pick it in advance. It determines everything you do. And so whilst this is, I don't know how old this is, but Lewis Carroll, a um, long time ago, he came up with this as part of his story. And he strikes me always as a powerful example of um, how important direction really is and how hopefully purpose can contribute to provide guidance in life.